And welcome to this week's episode. My name is Scott Bowser. This is the Luck Stops Here podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This show is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. That's right, MyBookie.ag. Use promo code LSH for a 50% bonus on your deposit up to $1,000. That's MyBookie.ag. This week, I have a great guest. We have Rachel Fisher from a Hollywood Crime Scene podcast. She's hilarious, and she's got some great Vegas stories. And I had a lot of fun talking with her. Because she likes, and uh, we also both had jokes stolen from us by Saturday Night Live. So we have, there's a fun little uh, what it's like to be stolen by the most popular sketch comedy show of the last 50 years. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit subscribe and give us a little five-star rating over on Apple or wherever you're listening. And leave a tiny review. That helps a, a lot. And... I appreciate everybody that's done that so far. So here is Rachel Fisher. Thank you so much, everybody. And I am here with the uh, bell of the ball for the El Cortez Hotel uh, yearly fashion show from the Hollywood Crime Scene podcast, Rachel Fisher. How are you doing, Rachel? Hi, I'm great. I'm so honored to be the bell of the ball of the El Cortez Casino, a place I have stayed. Wouldn't that be like the like the El Cortez Ball if that was like the social event of the season every year in Vegas? I would, I would die. I would love that. I would, I would get my own tuxedo. Yeah, I, I would totally buy a gown and fly out for that because I don't have a car right now, so I'd fly out every year for that. I, I do. I just did just buy a car so I could pick you up at the airport. Oh, love it. See, Perfect. We already got that dialed in. Yeah, we got it planned. We got it planned. <laughs> we should pitch that. We should pitch the El Cortez annual gala. You, you know what I was honestly thinking about? Did, have you ever seen the movie Easy Money with Rodney Dangerfield, Joe Pesci? No, but I know of that movie. Okay. Uh, there's a whole thing where he creates a fashion line called the regular guy look. And, <laughs> and it's basically like the D-Gen like, horse track look. Right, right. And I would love to do a degenerate fashion show out here. Yeah, like something that's very quintessentially downtown Las Vegas. Yeah, like rascal scooters, track suits, the whole thing. Like, <sighs> See, I'm a Vegas lover, and I love everything about Las Vegas. I mean, there are certain aspects of Las Vegas I don't participate in. Like, I don't do the club Yeah, I, I'm not it. a club person at all. I'm not a club person. I never have been. I have been to those clubs before when I was in my 20s and I hated it then. It's not for me, but I know a lot of young people go to Vegas specifically for that. Yeah, my, I, I never I mean, got it. <laughs> yeah, but I like I like to gamble. I love gambling. So obviously Vegas is a great place for me to go and have fun especially as someone who doesn't drink or do drugs anymore. So I can gamble and that's how I'm a degenerate. You can gamble my... and you can chain smoke. And which... I can chain smoke, which I do anyway. So it's <laughs> yeah. perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. I, I really do feel like it's smoker's paradise. Cause when I, yeah, I don't feel judged by smoking uh, when I'm there, obviously. And I do appreciate that. It's like one of the last places in America where you can smoke inside. It feels like I, I had to run into the casino the other day to get my March Madness picks in or uh, a deposit because I do mobile gambling with the sports book now. So I do go in there to make a deposit and then I can just go home and I don't have to bother with all the tickets. But yeah. I, I saw an old lady with her mask on. That was, had her oxygen tank and was still smoking while playing slots at the casino, like where she was doing like the triple fist 
like juggling act. It was incredible to watch. It was. I I admire that so much. As much as I'm totally against, like you know, I I'm not someone who's participated in any pretty much any activity all quarantine. But I, you know what, that takes guts because well, she seems like she's probably at high risk of catching coronavirus. Well, I, I mean, the old people got the vaccine rollout pretty strong here because I mean, OJ was one of the first people to get it. Just to give you an idea of where the standards were right. on it. That's true. <laughs> I forgot that he lives there now. He's one of my one of my neighbors, basically. I mean, not like wow. Uh, like we're about three blocks away. I think we shop at the same Albertsons. And I've asked Amazing. a couple of the people there, like, hey, does OJ come in here? And wow. They're, and they're yeah, can you tell me when he comes in here? <laughs> like, hey, I'll give you imagine, my name. Imagine seeing OJ while you're buying OJ. Oh, I, mean, I, can't, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Or seeing uh, the former Trojan while buying Trojans. There's a, oh, there's yes. a whole rabbit hole. That, there, you could, a lot of things work out. Yeah. What if I was buying kitchen knives? Well, if you were buying, <laughs> seeing OJ while buying kitchen knives, that also works. Uh, there's a whole, I did the have you ever done the OJ murder tour in LA? No, I haven't. Uh Sean Green and know. Tess Barker bought me that as a going away present when I moved here to Vegas. Oh my god. And they did? That's really sweet. Yeah, it was me. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I, I did I've never done that. It seems like something I would have done, but no. But I am old enough that I remember where I was watching the car chase and I was on the four oh five freeway in traffic. Oh, that sucks. And we were in Orange County, though. So we, but we were with my friend's mom, who was driving us to a punk show, and we were we like, were listening to the radio. And we were listening to it on the you radio. To... Yeah, right. And we were right. like, turn around right now. We're going to Brentwood. We're gonna go find the juice. Like, was... oh my god. Yeah, I was watching it at my house. I mean, I was eight when it was happening, but I vividly remember it, and I remember the trial too being on a field trip when the trial was happening and they were reading the verdict while we were on a field trip at the recycling center, which is a horrible place to go on and a field you're trip. you're from if- Marin County, right? Yes. And it was such a boring place to go on a field trip. And they had like this t- teeny tiny TV in the office of the recycling center. And it was me and like 10 other kids huddled around that TV, <laughs> like complete maniacs watching the verdict as this poor man's just trying to give all these kids a tour. I'm like, no, this is what we're he- This is what I'm here for. I'm pretty sure that guy wanted to watch that too. He's like, I'm sure he did. He's like, I got to give this fucking field trip tour right now to a bunch of little shits. Honestly, if he just would have done the power move of something like you know what kids you're gonna remember this way more than anything (laughs) i'm about to tell you today so i'm just gonna lean into it and you'll remember me as being a cool guy who supported you during this time exactly so yeah haven't done that uh (laughs) i don't really think about oj unless he set pops off on twitter which i think it's like so ballsy of him that he has a twitter account and he is just like now, just, I, I told you that shit. I figured out where he lives based on his videos. Wow. Because Scott. there was one day. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I'm not, not to say like I'm super sleuth or anything, but I noticed the um, he was standing in front of a lake in his backyard and he had the same mountains with snow on. It was right after it had just snowed here. And yeah. I, I noticed it's the same snow pattern on the mountains at the mountains right by me. And I was like, oh. I'm pretty close to OJ. And then I just went on my Google Maps. I'm like, what neighborhood gated communities here have lakes? And then I kind of narrowed it down to like this one community. 
You're on the case. I'm on it. And You're on the case. I mean, wow. guess guess what happened? What? About two months ago, a woman uh, was found in the lake's body, and she looked just like Nicole. That's terrifying. It turns out she was just a party goer that decided to swim this little man-made lake, and it's designed for rich people to take their mini yachts to the golf course in, so it's not like a... So she drowned. She drowned, yeah. She drowned, right. But right. someone died in OJ's community, which was pretty... Uh, and she looked like Nicole. So eerie. I, the eerie. the conspiracy theorists to me could could have a field day with it. But I'm right. a respectable guy with a respectable show that doesn't make allegations like yeah. that. We're gonna talk about all the classy things we've done in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. Anybody who's listening to the show knows how much of a high standard I have for myself. <laughs> Can I just say that one of the things I missed most after, you know, of course I miss my family, obviously, yes. but I do miss Las Vegas because I went, I like, I go to Las Vegas at least once a year and I miss it so much. And it's hard to find, it's hard to like, I don't know. Not, I feel like there's, I don't know. It's hard to find the right people to go to Las Vegas with. Absolutely. I feel like, Absolutely. you know, I'm very particular about, cause there are the people, like I said before, who want to go there and they want to like party and dance and go to the clubs. And like, I don't want to go with those people because I'll be bored. Yes. You know, um, I feel the same way about guys I know that want to come out here and go to the strip clubs. Right. I'm not a strip club guy. I like the sports book. And so, yeah. you know, if we're not going to hang on the sports book, I pretty much don't want to hang out. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> right. I mean, I am down to go hang out and do the slots and stuff like that. You know, have a little fun at the tables or whatever. But And I really do like, I mean, once I started staying downtown, that was like a game changer for me because you realize you're like, oh, there is so much stuff to do beyond the strip. I've, oh, it's incredible how many little things now, like when you go downtown, especially where you have the Neon Museum down there. You yeah. Have, you have all these yeah. like cool little places where there's actually a little, I mean, a, the, the sliver of culture that is in Las Vegas is actually pretty cool. It's true. Uh, and they have some great restaurants over there too. Last time I had friends visit, they came in late January, right before the pandemic last year. And I took them to this place downtown called The Nerd. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know. What is it? It's like a mini bowling alley slash comedy club slash like everything like you can imagine. Oh, I haven't been there. It's really cool. They have like a whole Game of Thrones beer line. I mean, just all kinds of weird like nerdy thing things. And so we were hanging out, but I was smoking a cigarette as we were walking up. So we were like, okay, we won't just walk in just yet. And we watch a guy headbutt a museum window, shatter the thing. And then, and then it gets to the point where like a good Samaritan tries to like bust him down and is going to stop him from from doing too much, and then it turns into a fight between a Michael Jackson impersonator and that guy's girlfriend, and the Michael Jackson impersonator like judo flipped. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Only in Vegas. Only, Only Vegas. in Vegas. Only on a weekend too in downtown. Like, right. <laughs> and every time I go there, I see something crazy. I think. The, since when yeah. I first moved here, I saw a sex worker 
hop on an old man's rascal scooter and drive off with him like into the sunset basically i love that i love that so much it was so cool i I know i (laughs) that's the other thing is like i feel like the people watching downtown is so much more interesting than watching like businessmen who just want to let loose in on the strip you know and like party girls on the strip like i want to see the people who are there to gamble and that is their hobby because those people to me are infinitely more interesting to watch and to just be around like I one of my favorite times in Vegas was at the El Cortez it wasn't when I was staying there I was staying at the D which I stay at a lot I think they have like really a reasonable I mean obviously all the hotels are very cheap downtown but I feel like for the money it's like very inexpensive and like a pretty nice for i mean compare you know considering for what you get yeah because some of the strip hotels now are like 400 a night basically it's stupid and and the other thing about the strip hotels like i have stayed at the bellagio before and it's very nice and very beautiful but it's so massive that i feel like i'm have to like walk fucking three miles just to get down to the casino floor yes you know because it's like you got to walk past all the stores and like all the and in Shit. downtown, you can legit do the door. I always say this on the show. You can legit do the door-to-door, like, casino hopping. Yes. And you used you to be can't able, do that. You used to be strip. able to do that on the Strip, where they used right. to have, like, fr- like storefronts almost up front, where you can kind of go around and play up front. But they all turn it into mini malls, where you have to walk through that to get to the floor. And if you're just trying to walk from one Strip casino to the next store, it's a 35, 40-minute walk. And you got to walk up like a bridge or yeah, something. Yeah, it's... I hate it. You, I, I mean, I'm a very, I'm a, I'm a like a walk lover. I love walking places. I love being able to like walk out and just be there. I can't. The strip is not walkable no. at all. It's, it's not. It's a pain in the ass, and it's like it's so crowded. I mean, it's crowded downtown, but it's just like if I I can like take the elevator in my hotel room downtown walk out the door and immediately go to Binion's or whatever, yeah. like, and then leave. And it's so easy to leave. It's just You're like everything's out. right there. You're in and out. Have you ever gone to Laughlin? Mm, oh, the town? Yeah, Laughlin, like on the Colorado River. <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, I think you would love Laughlin. Yeah, I think you were telling me about this actually. That it's like a new casino they just built there. Well, no, no, it's uh, no Laughlin, Nevada. It's on the Colorado River between, like, it's on the bull, like Bullheads on the other Bullhead City, Arizona is on the other side. Laughlin, okay. Nevada is on the side. It's like thirty-five miles up the road from Havasu, I want to say, but it's basically like a like a shitty like twelve casinos on the riverfront, and they're all walkable. You can do the oh, whole thing in a half it. hour. And I it's all it. old people. The whole thing shuts down by 10. You have like <laughs> run of all the tables and machines by 11 p.m. That's it's... what I love. I love when it's like dead and it's just the complete degenerates. You would love <laughs> Laughlin. still there. <laughs> I love that. But I was at El Cortez a few years ago with my boyfriend and it was like six in the morning and they have quarter roulette at El Cortez. Oh, yeah. I, I lo- yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. And I love roulette and I made it, I, I cleaned up at that roulette table that morning. I mean, it was like early, obviously I was still awake from the night before, just powered by coffee and the oxygen that they pump in through the casinos. Oh, yeah. And it was great. It's the like, purest I mean, like, air on the planet. 
it's the purest air on the planet. It's like there is a specific casino smell that like it's not that it smells like cigarettes. It's it smells it's its own smell. Yeah. That a casino smells like that you just can't replicate elsewhere. And it's beautiful. And this I mean, we were there at this roulette table till like, I don't know, eight in the morning or something. It was just it was just one of those like perfect tables, too, where we didn't have any weirdos at the table. Like not fun weirdos. Like all the weirdos who were at the table were cool weirdos. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a weirdo vibe that's very good for certain low level casinos. Yeah, like, but I've been to tables before, especially when I'm like playing cards or something, where I'm so hesitant to like play cards sometimes, just because you get like you'll get like people who are just like way too fucking serious, and it's like I get that you like take gambling seriously. That's fine. But sometimes the energy can just be. I was a little much. I was once at a table at the speaking of how the strip can be weird. I uh, went to it. I was at the. This is like years ago when I was like twenty one, twenty two. So I mean twenty years ago or whatever. Uh, I was playing blackjack at the MGM, and there was an NFL player. I can't remember. He was like a backup defensive back for the Arizona Cardinals. So it wasn't like a huge deal, but it was pretty cool, you know. Yeah. And I was at the same table with him. There's some like old man from South Carolina that just kept going like, I recognize you. I seen you play. Where are you from exactly? <laughs> like, and I was just like, come on, dude. Come on. You really ruined the vibe. Like, this is cool. Like, it's fun to be in the presence of a guy who does that for a living. But he's yeah. just trying to have a good time with the rest of us. Like, we could all enjoy right. this together. Like, right. But but you always get some dude that's just like, you're ruining the whole vibe of the table. And you're making people uncomfortable. Like, you know, and one time I did have a guy who I had that guy. This was on the strip a long time ago. And we were, I was watching my then boyfriend play pie gal poker, which I do not know how to play. But this guy who was at the table was a real down on his luck drunk, but he was a hilarious down on his luck drunk. And he, he was the guy that <laughs> he was just pounding him back, whatever he was drinking. And the waitress came over, the poor waitress, she came over and she was like taking his drinks. And there was like, it was basically just ice and some water in it. But he would get real like defensive about her taking his drinks. He'd be like, what are you, the drink police? And like, <laughs> I mean, he, he told the pit, he told the, the, the dealer, he was like, I will scissor kick you if you give me a bad hand again or whatever. Like, I mean, like, everyone was laughing like the he like the dealer was laughing. It was all in good fun, but he was just so drunk. Like he wasn't being mean or anything. He was just out of control. There uh, what was it. Well, I used to work out here before I moved yeah. out here. When I, Where'd you work? I was in my early 20s and I helped remodel and build the new Albertson stores on a merchandising crew where you'd set up like the store displays for like the yeah. brand new opening or the brand yeah. new remodel. And so one of the times I was staying at Sam's Town, and they have the little bar that's in like the middle of the park there, and it's like a cool little hideaway. And me and my my coworker, we would go there, and he was like my best friend, so we would we grew up down the street from each other. So it was like they were paying us to go hang out with each other for a week at a time in Vegas. It was so much fun. That's so cool. And so we would hang out at this bar where we stayed there, and uh, this old man called himself Moby Dick. <laughs> and and he took like a Clorox like bleach bottle and he made a whale out of like a whale hat out of the bleach <laughs> bottle. So it was like this whale hat. And then he sold I bought one off him, but it was like he sold like his art. And so one was yeah. like the thing I bought was a brandy bottle that he called a burp and slurp. 
that he just put like a sock puppet on top of a brandy bottle and wrote all kinds of weird scribblings on it. And like you may see someone like that in Los Angeles, but you don't get to hang out with them. No, yeah, yeah. You're just walking. you don't get to sit down at a table and like gamble with them. Yeah, and like this in guy, I, was, I hung out with this guy in a lounge for like three days straight. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and obviously the other thing I like about downtown, not the strip, is that the slot machines do pay out a lot better downtown yes, i do. found and also in the like the local like uh dive bars around town right you know, just, right like the video like, poker the not... there you'll get more hands like... absolutely absolutely yeah i like i was telling you before we hit record i'm wearing my fremont hotel and casino t-shirt right now that's right that I, and how'd you that get the, that the hotel gifted this to me when i won a jackpot on a slot machine at five in the morning and it's it's like five in the morning in a casino is like eerie because it's only like it's just peppered with very few people. And it's like it's just the music. It's just the like top 40 music playing over the speakers. There's usually the hum there's of some kind the of vacuum Muzak, cleaner. The Muzak version, too. There's the, like... Yeah, the Muzak version. And then there's the hum of the vacuum cleaner. And all of a sudden I hit a jackpot and there was like one drunk dude who was behind me and he was like, no way. And I was like, yeah. And, and then, you know, if you win a jackpot on, on a slot machine that you get the call attendant yeah. notification that comes up. So you got to wait and you're real. I don't know if you've won a jackpot before. I but did. Like, and I was underage at the time. So I was freaking out because i was like oh yeah. my god they're gonna id me and i don't have a real id and did you get the money i get the money because it was only, I, I didn't play the max play i played the minimum play so it was oh. only like 75 bucks instead of like the five thousand. so they're oh, like wow. they just came over and gave me the 75 real quick and i'm all that was the smartest like i could have won more but didn't play of my life right no, I I was playing like the mid. I think I was betting like a dollar fifty or something. So it was like fifteen hundred that I won on this one spin. But you got to wait for the attendant to come out, and it's real. It's like there's so much tension because you're just waiting there for seemingly forever. And Drosky was on a while ago, and he he had he won a million at the El Cortez. Okay, this is like legend that Josh Androsky won a million dollars playing a Big Bang Theory slot machine. Yes, I've heard. Yes. And the, that is he, like, he had to go get a, like a notary public in the middle of the night because they have to sign a contract now because it's like winning a lotto ticket. Because that is a lot of money. Do you want the lump sum or the payments kind of thing? Like, And what about, I mean, I would be so stressed about taxes. I would oh, be yeah. so fucking stressed. I'd be like, just can you just take half of it and I can just, ha- <laughs> like, can you just deal with, like, I don't want to deal with that. The most I ever won on a slot like on one spin or whatever was I won $11,000 on one of the Buffalo machines. Whoa, yeah, those Buffaloes pay. Those They pay out. It, this was at the Golden Nugget. It was the same trip that I won the jackpot at the Fremont. Because when those Buffaloes start paying, it starts yes. getting into those extra prize reels. And it'll yes. keep giving you the free spins over free spins. So you're like, oh, That's I've won a was. bunch. And then you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to keep winning on spin. 
after and spin. spin. That's after what it was. <laughs> I was on a free game and I had that big ass fucking wheel and I got like the super wheel and then it was like times 10. And so it was like insane. And I was shaking. And this was the, our like last gasp of Vegas that trip because we were headed to the airport in like an hour. So it was like, isn't we that how, how it always goes to when you're it's on how a- it always goes. We were just killing time before we took our lift to the airport. And all of a sudden I win all this money. And I just remember thinking, thank God I won this money now instead of when we first got here. Yeah, because you just would have blown it off. Because <laughs> now I get to take this home. I mean, that was great. I was like not, I mean, I was like, like hard up for money at that time. Like, I mean, I, that paid my rent. Like, it was amazing. It was my, it was wild. My, my buddy Ryan Kramer from the Sports Gambling Podcast was just on recently. And he was telling me how... He was in one of those kind of situations where I have my bags packed. They're sitting there. We're walking out the casino, but I'm going to play a little blackjack on the way out kind of thing. Yeah. And he 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 won a reasonable – he was playing 25 a hand. He said, won a reasonable amount, but decided – they're like, hey, you have a free buffet. They're like, well, we might as well use the free buffet while we're here. And then they right. kept upgrading his player card. They're like, no, wait, sir, you're actually a gold member. You're actually a platinum member. And they kept saying this to him. But every time they upgraded him, they kept bringing him out a piece of cookware. So now he's got all this cookware that he's got to pack up and take home with him on the flight back. So that brings me to a question. What is your philosophy about players' cards? Because I have, like, my own conspiracy about players' cards. I love them for – okay. I only really have one for my local casino that I mainly go to. And I also have a mobile sportsbook account with them. So since I like this March Madness, I've been hitting that account so hard and I've been betting, making so many bets with them. Like, I mean, seriously, like 40, 50 bets a day yeah. where it's like I'm I'm just racking up points for a steak dinner there down the line this summer. Like, that's, right. That's the all points, I'm doing on this. Yeah. The, the points is where it's at. I've I have one player's card and it's with the golden nugget because they gave it to me when I won that money, they just gave me the player's card. And obviously they were like, please come back and stay here next time you're in Vegas. And they probably immediately gave you like the Sapphire card too. Like they they skipped you past the low levels. Yeah. They, they bumped me past or it was like gold or it was something. They gave me like a slightly better than the low level card that you, the entry level, whatever. I, you know what? That might have been the last time I was in Vegas, so I haven't had a chance to like go back to the Golden Nugget actually. But because uh, this was like two years ago that this happened, um, but I, I, my, I have like such a paranoia, and I, this is just because I'm superstitious about certain things. I always wonder about the like I have this paranoia that you put the player's card into the slot machine to rack up points, which is what they're supposed to be used for, but. Do they are they like limiting how much you win? Does the computer know, or is that me no, I mean, well, as a sport, total... as a sports book gambler, it's all my picks. Exactly, so it has nothing to do with like right. Thing. But I'm saying the games where it's like it's more out of your hand, like slot machines. I always wonder, and then you get the people. Then you get the people at casinos where you're sitting next to someone and they ask you, can I put my player's card in while you play? Yeah. That's a weird move that, you know what? I realized there are certain people at casinos who just all like sort of like social cues just kind of go out the window. Yes. Like you get the lurkers. 
sometimes there's someone who's behind you and they're not waiting for your machine. They just want to watch you play. And I'm like, I can't enjoy myself right now. Yeah. It's a voyeuristic like gambling world. Yeah. And then you get the people who are like, can I put my card in your machine? It's like, well, if I say no, I feel like I'm being a dick, but also that's weird. Like put your card in your own machine. Yeah. Also too, it's like, if I do win big, I don't want you to like benefit too much off it. I mean, and also if I, if I lose all my shit, I don't want you to like profit off my misery at the same time. Yeah, it just feels weird. It's like give me like I should charge a fee. I'd be like, yeah, for every ten minutes I'm here. Yeah, go give me a hot dog. Go get me. Yeah, (laughs) right. Get me a soda at least. Um, But yeah, so I've never actually used a player's card, even though I do have one from the Golden Nugget. But every time they ask, because when you're sitting. Anywhere you sit in the casino, if you're playing, they will come by and ask you if you want a player's card. Now, my and girlfriend she- loves video poker, so she uses hers yeah. all the time. And one thing I noticed, my local one, I have like 5,000-something points built up because of wow. when I set my uh, – well, they gave me a 5,000-point bonus when I set up my sportsbook account, so it wasn't that impressive. But uh, they re- they roll them over at the end of the year. So I, Oh, that's I, I, good. No, no, no. They, they – like – I didn't you get, delete them? They delete them. Oh, I thought you meant they rolled them over. No, into the they next don't. Like, I meant they don't roll them over. Yeah. So like, <sighs> so I had all these points built up where it's like I could. I was like, man, and like COVID hit right before when I got they, all those points. So they should have made an exception for 2020. Come on, it's no like I couldn't out. go in there to even use them. Right. And like that was like, and I had enough points on there to like definitely hit this like the VIP elevator only steakhouse pretty hard. Wait, kind of, so tell me about some of these bonuses. Like, have you ever, like, what are I haven't really, some I mean, of these perks? Uh, uh, the, one, the one I use is like, okay, I have two mobile apps I use for sports gambling here. One is my William Hill account, and that one just does me cash rewards. So just I get cash. Bon- hey, if you play enough parlays this weekend, if you play $10 in parlays this weekend, we'll give you a $10 bonus. So right. I, always, I always try and find, like, at that point, I'll find, like, five two dollar parlays where it's like if i just hit one of these i get the ten dollar it's already paid for and i get the money off that kind of thing right right and so i like that stuff but with the other one the boyd app i get the casino report and so yeah i had those points where i ne- was never able to so i haven't even got a chance to use them yet because i got those deleted after fucking covid which is a he, and I'm shame. And the thing is, is the only reason why I'm still dealing with them is because it's only six minutes from my house. Right. So it's, <laughs> they got you there. They got, they got me on got that one. <laughs> and and they have maybe the best mobile sports book app in town. And I, you know what? That's actually a good time because we're about the halfway mark here. And yeah. I just wanted to say the best, the actual best mobile sports book uh, program you can get on is with mybookie.ag. Have you heard of mybookie.ag, Rachel? I have not. I am totally green when it comes to sports betting. Well, guess what? Mybookie.ag offers a wide variety beyond sports betting, including online casino, online slots. Uh, you want to bet on the Oscars? MyBookie.ag oh. is the place to be for all of that. Uh, the they had the they just had Grammys bets on there last week, uh, and if you use promo code LSH, you get a fifty percent bonus on your deposit up to one thousand dollars. Cool. So they'll give you a, you know someone the high rollers out there putting a thousand bucks in get a five hundred dollars in free plays, 
just by and if you listen to the show enough, you will definitely get guaranteed Grammys picks. I gave them out. I think I think that actually that file got deleted, but I had guaranteed Grammy picks. <laughs> but what I did give out to the listeners this week, and I hope they listen, was the March Madness first round unders. And it's a weird thing my friends and I have been tracking for a while, but college kids, the big stage, they're not quite used to the big, you know, the spotlight and all that. And they kind of freeze up in the first half of those games. And the first half unders, I believe, went 25 and 10 this year. So if you listen to me and you took all the first round unders, you turned a 15 unit profit. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to give people free money. With advice on players' cards, but more importantly, using my promo code at mybookie.ag. You know what else you can gamble on there? I'm trying to get them to accept, like, Filipino cockfights. You know, they're streaming them live on Twitch now. Let's get in on that. What, what is the most random thing you've seen available to bet on, do like, you think? Like, from, like, on my... like uh, On your app. When I first had a bookie in L.A., yeah, that uh, offered a mobile like app, kind of like a mobile site. Uh, I got like way into like gambling on everything under the sun because it was just like, oh my god, it's just, I don't have like I used to have to like call in, have a code number, and do all kinds of like weird like secret handshakes and stuff. Right. But now I just have an account. I settle up on Venmo. Like, there's I don't even have to see anybody ever. And so you don't have to go to the ATM, which is great. So, well, the th- one of the things me and my brother figured out was there was two things. It was a uh, French rugby, because when you're on, like, a crazy gambling run all weekend, those games start, like, 2, 3 a.m. local time here. Right. So right. it's, like, when the Hawaii, the Hawaii college football ends at, like, you know, 1 a.m., you can gear up for French rugby right after and keep, right. keep gambling all night. So there's that one. And then, um, uh, like, I got – we also got really into international cricket. <laughs> Because it, because it turns out those things last like eight, nine days sometimes. Wow. So it's like you put a bet down. You're like, I got like a week's worth of action on one bet. And Wait, I'm, that's I'm, drama. I'm getting that to follow it each day. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like, uh, maybe, I should, maybe I should get into sports betting. <laughs> well, if you do, go over to mybookie.ag. I, I, you know what? I will. I Use absolutely promo will. promo code LSH. And yeah, you can bet the Oscars. Also, like they... See, like, I mean, I live here in Vegas where I have the casino apps, but they don't, like, Nevada, for example, during the NBA All-Star Weekend, they wouldn't let me bet on the dunk contest because there's judges that aren't, like, licensed people. Oh. So, mybookie.ag lets you bet on the dunk contest because it's, I believe mybookie.ag is just on our oil rig somewhere (laughs) somewhere off the coast of Argentina where, like, they just offer, they just got a bunch of internet servers operating (laughs) around the clock all day. Honestly, I kind of want to bet on the Oscars. That sounds like something I could do and yeah. have fun with. And they do like entertainment props too, like uh, like when a TV, big TV, like Game of Thrones when that was ending, it was like who's going to have the Iron Throne at the end of it? Like, <laughs> like they will. That's awesome. That's fucking awesome. I bet no one guessed Bran. No, no, uh, something leaked coming out before, oh. and so a few sharp gamblers were way on top of that one. But, oh my god! Because and like with that and like wrestling and stuff like that, they do right. like a, I think they do a hundred dollar maximum of what you can bet because like anybody who has any kind of inside info can kill it on those things. But right, it's fun. The enter- yeah, the entertainment like pop culturey ones sound really funny to me. And they also do like and- uh, elections. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, That's 
so fucked. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I, that's why I think I really think they should get, like shift over to like international cockfighting rings. Yeah, just just whatever you could possibly bet on. Yeah, if, if camel races, I, I've camel I've wa- races. Why not? I've watched those on uh, YouTube. They look f- crazy because I didn't realize how fast camels are. I did never would have imagined them as being particularly fast creatures. They're insanely fast. That's incredible. It shows you always like, just see they, them like trudging through the desert. It shows them like like where they one of the and the camel races too are like two hundred mile races. So it's like a cannonball run type situation, but dudes on camels. I should be able to bet on who's going to have the biggest meltdown on Twitter next week. Oh, God. You know, like who's due for a meltdown? Like which big account? I'm going to talk gonna... to the good people at mybookie.ag. Talk to them. Say who's, 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 which blue check account on Twitter is going to have a meltdown next. I, see, if it, if it, that would turn even into like a crypto coin situation where you have to, <laughs> have to start playing the non-blue check mark altcoins. <laughs> so it's like, I'm betting the farm on Jeff Tiedrich, like just not being able right. to handle his life anymore. Right, he's going to lose it. And for those of, for the listeners not familiar with uh, Jeff Tiedrich, he was one of those guys that like made his life re- responding to Trump. And once Trump got banned off Twitter, like he didn't have anything to do anymore. And it's, it's he literally tweeted. He was like, "Well, what do I do now? <laughs> what if he just wrote the great American novel? <laughs> he should. Yeah, because now he has all this free time. I asked someone. I said, "Does he have a wife? Does this man have like? I don't, I, I I couldn't. If my boyfriend was like a Trump reply guy, I don't know what." I don't know how I would feel about that. Like, I don't know how I would just be like, that is a lot of dedication. Like, I always wondered how him and then there's that weird doctor who yeah, yeah. also, yeah, yeah. that doctor guy who's had some scandals of his own. Like, do they have alerts on their phone? Because they're always like the first one to reply. Yeah, it's like a weird, they, they have to have some sort of like, uh, like, like yeah, honestly, probably they're the ones that have the Russians bot farms. Yeah, right. It's, like, it's coming from inside the house. Yeah, it's like... like <laughs> I mean, I and I feel like... I mean, yeah, you can really build an audience for whatever your Patreon just being like an aggrieved Trump reply guy, probably. They yeah, probably you, like you could monetize kill, it. Oh, you know what? And speaking of Twitter, like, I, you know, I just... This is John on me. We're in the same club of SNL stole our shit. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Wait, tell me again. Tell me again what SNL jacked from you. It, uh, they did the joke. Uh, I had that viral tweet about like uh, it was when Trump went into the uh, hospital. for. It was the greatest day of Twitter of all time. When yeah. Trump went into the hospital for COVID. Right. And, and I was like. Basically, uh, please tell me Herman Cain's going to come warn him about three ghosts visiting him throughout the night <laughs> to make him a better person. It's not like some shit. Like, or no, I will Venmo a Walt. I will Venmo a Walt. The first Walt, Walter Reed Stafford. Because I, I realized for a viral tweet, you got to have a call to action. So I was like, yes, I will yes. Venmo the first Walter Reed Stafford $100. They dress up like Herman Cain and warn him about three ghosts about to visit him tonight. <laughs> I remember that. And then Michael Che did a basically a watered down version of that on Weekend Update, where it's like, yeah, like I get it. That's kind of a low hanging fruit in some situation. Like 
but to me, it's like. But sometimes you just know when because you, when you make it's a Christmas happened. Carol joke in October, that's right. so specific. It's too specific, and I I felt the same way about my recent tweet because they made a full-on oh like sketch with your i mean they made a full-on sketch with alec baldwin i tweeted uh like i tweeted that um if trump loses and it was right before the election i said if he loses is snl going to have alec baldwin singing a sad version of macho man at the piano and it went semi-viral it wasn't like I mean, it did numbers. It did enough numbers that it that it how, made. How high did yours get? Uh, a few thousand. I don't know. It wasn't like because mine hit like one eighty three. I think. Wow. So, but that but means the they point, all for sure saw it. Exactly. Like someone saw it, and the next, like the next week or whenever it was, like the week that he lost, they literally did their opening sketch of that tweet of Alec Baldwin at the piano singing a sad version of Macho Man. See, if they were real comedic geniuses, they would have had him doing Hallelujah. Exactly. (laughs) They would have flipped that. (laughs) They would have flipped it back to the Kate McKinnon bit from before. The only other time that something that blatant has happened, which was when John Oliver, that show, stole one of my jokes. And that I knew because that joke was like way too fucking specific this was like back in 2016, and I tweeted that uh, Jill Stein thinks carob tastes just as good as chocolate. First of all, who's still talking about carob yeah, after, after 1997? Yeah, that died only, with Penguin's yogurt. Yeah, only I would tweet something as stupid as that. He literally verbatim said, Jill Stein, who thinks carob tastes just as good as chocolate? It was my tweet verbatim, and I just knew. Yeah. It and was too specific. I uh, one time I did an open mic back at the old iOS. This is like when I was first starting in stand-up. But yeah, one of my stand-up jokes that I did at that open mic, the next week was on a sketch show there that I went to to support a friend in. Yeah, and legit, like was word for word like the opening of the sketch was word for word my joke. That's and so and I know one of the comics there that had been in the room for that open mic. So I was like, oh, the, like, it, I mean, and I always feel like at that level, that's like, don't steal from a fellow open mic. Like, for, like yeah, that's low. That's really, really low. Like, and like, I understand parallel thought. That is a real thing. Or you accidentally, you accidentally parrot something that you heard and it in, embedded itself into your brain. But when it's word for word. Yeah. That means like they, I, they might've been taping. I, I feel like they might've been taping their set that night. Caught right. mine. Then we're like, Hey, I could use this. Like, I just don't even know what the benefit of that would be. Like, I mean, you have to be like totally devoid of any kind of like empathy to like blatantly steal. And, and, and honestly, okay anytime I've it. ever been stolen from, because it's happened since, but like I've never, I've always felt like I can, I'm going to be original always and I'm going to come right. up with new things. And right. So they're not going to be able to keep up with me. Right. But at the same time, it's like when like fat Jewish and fuck Jerry came on the scene, <sighs> it becomes one of those things where it's like, dude, these guys are making seven figures a year. Right. Stealing from me and my friends, essentially. Right. Yeah. And and we're all fucking like you know struggling to fucking get by and I mean I'm doing okay right now but it's like 
Hey, I'm not doing that good. (laughs) Right, right. I'm not making seven figures. Like the the those people who got rich, like Fat Jewish and Fuck Jerry and all those sort of um, Instagram, like Instagram farm, I guess meme farms. It's just. And like the whole thing that's such bullshit about it is like now they do tag the creators, but the point is that they came up from blatantly stealing and cropping out the account and passing it off as their own joke. That's what killed me with that shit so much is like they didn't even like rewrite it on like they didn't even get a graphic designer to be like, hey, I found this joke, put it with this, rewrite it in this font or whatever. It was just straight up like. Theft, just a, cropping a, a it. Screenshot and crop out someone else's name. Like such bullshit. And then like they would be all like, well, we tag them now. It's like, well, A, they're still not the creator's still not making the money. You're making the money. It's not like you're paying them. And B, the you're getting paid because you amassed all those followers from stealing so many jokes. Yeah. It's like the whole so, like uh, a thousand monkeys on a thousand typewriters could eventually write Shakespeare or something. Right, right. And that's what a thousand meme farm account like guys sitting around stealing from a thousand different content creators. Eventually, you're going to just only have gold on your feet. Right. Yeah, they suck. I mean, I don't know anyone who works in comedy who likes those guys. And it does suck because it's the classic thing where you get sent like a fuck Jerry Instagram post from someone who's just not a comic at all or not a writer or whatever. And you have to be like, ah, yeah, it's funny. I saw it on Twitter five years ago. Yeah. But, but, but for us, we're like big leagues and getting sold from cause it's SNL. It's, it's SNL. Like, it's not yeah, some mean farm. That's the big time. That is the fucking big time. It's like, wow, kick me some cash. Like, yeah, just honestly, if they just would have thrown me 50 bucks. I would have been like, Hey, cool. Thanks. Any like, ki- some kind of acknowledgement. Yeah. Like exa- just like give a, me a writing credit. Give me a give me a writing credit, well, and I. <laughs> and like I'm friends with a couple former SNL people, but two current cast members. Yeah. And so and like and I mean I was in a, a Sundance thing with Beck Bennett, and oh. I, like so I mean I've worked with them. Like it, right. It, this like it kind of was like almost like too close to home in the situation where it's like yeah I, I, and i almost hit reached out to kyle it's kyle mooney and back and my two friends on there but it's like i almost reached out to them and was like hey man what the fuck is up with that shit dude? like right it's obvious what happened beg yeah. me 500 bucks right now i know you guys have it and i could right. use it <laughs> right exactly it is it is also kind of funny about snl you know snl's been an institution for decades obviously and for but now like in terms of like topical humor if if you're on twitter you see all those jokes like days before you yeah. see it on snl yeah, when, now. when they were doing something once a week and there was no twitter they right. were cutting edge but now they were the, super cutting edge but now it's like oh i already saw that joke a million times yeah hey. it must be interesting to work well, SNL. The funniest to era. me is how they stole that Cometown bit. Like where Cometown did a rant about uh it was basically Ratatouille, but if hit the guy fucking and he needs the hat on. 
So the oh, mouse shows wait. them how to fuck. Wait, they stole a bit from Cumtown? Yeah. And it, and <laughs> That's it was, amazing. It was just the, like, yeah. The, it was the John Krasinski episode where it was like, the, he has to wear, the, it's the Ratatouille guy, and he has to wear the yeah, hat during sex. I know what you're saying. Yeah. He's, he's giving him pointers while he's fucking. <laughs> yeah. He has to wear the hat. He has to it's wear incredible. The hat. Yeah. It's a great bit. Cumtown did like a... 15 minute rant on that on one of their episodes or something and <laughs> it ended up on snl like, wow it's wow. a funny back, bit but like it is very funny i mean back in the day you had to you had to walk 10 miles to the comedy store to steal a bit and put it on snl yeah, right? <laughs> now you just now you just log on to the podcast app or you log on to twitter and you've got plenty of jokes i like to think the the snl writers room is just divided between okay you guys are the podcast listeners right. and you guys scroll twitter okay <laughs> you guys scroll through twitter <laughs> exactly exactly Ugh. well here here's yeah. a bit they're not gonna steal is i uh I was telling you about this right before we started recording, but I've noticed because I love your, I love you and Desi's podcast, the Hollywood Crimes, I, one of my favorite shows out there. Oh, thank um, you. And the, I mean, the Richard Ramirez one really hit home for me. I yeah, I bet. Because like, did you grow up in L.A.? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Whittier, where one of his killings was. Wow. So uh, I and he targeted yellow houses apparently, and we lived in a yellow house. And my dad would work swing shifts, so he wouldn't get home till like midnight or after, wow. just after midnight. And That's I remember so scary that summer. My mom, like, as it would get dark, we would nail the window shut every night, kind of. My mom would sit there like old school rocking chair with a shotgun, waiting for right. my dad to get home from work. Right. It was so ter- scary. I was seven years old. Yeah, it was right. terrifying. But uh, and also like one of my childhood friends his old neighbor lived next door to the house in Whittier at one point and then moved to over this like towards our part yeah no it was crazy and uh what's even crazier is to like grow up turns out my brother my sister-in-law uh she's like a distant cousin of his really yeah so my niece and nephew are like related to the fucking night soccer that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the craziest things. Like I, I, I was like, when I was listening to your guys' two-parter on that, I was like, oh my God, that, like this like hits so hard for me. But I've noticed there's a connection between Los Angeles and Las Vegas with a few high-profile murders. Yes. And. Yes. And you had mentioned to me briefly Bugsy Siegel. Yes. Obviously, the Vegas history, there's lots of uh, mob influence in the early days of Vegas. He built the but, Flamingo Hotel. Yeah, and the Flamingo Hotel. We've done, I and mean, we've talked about it. We talked about it in the Dean Martin episode that I did. That was a um, great one. I love the Dean Martin one. Thank you. Because he comes um, from Youngstown, Ohio, which a lot of people might not, my DJs listening might not know that. Dean Martin used to be a blackjack dealer in the Youngstown, Ohio circuit, which that's right. Youngstown, Ohio was like a gambling town before Las Vegas was like a big thing where people would like there was a lot of illegal casinos there that were all all mobbed up and stuff. And there was a lot of brothels. Uh, It was sort of a look the other way town. The you could do you could get away with doing a lot of, quote unquote, illicit activities. Hot Springs, Arkansas is another one of those places. Really? Where uh, Oni Madden, the guy who ran the Cotton Club, if you've seen the yes. famous Coppola film, 
Oni Madden retired from New York organized crime and married the postmaster general's daughter in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and essentially opened like a mob resort town for guys on the lam. Wow. <laughs> really? Sounds fun. Yeah, sounds I mean, fun. It's a, sounds like a really cool <laughs> swing like of place. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but Bugsy Siegel was murdered in Beverly Hills on yes. orders from the bosses back east over his mishandling of the Flamingo finances. They thought yes. his girlfriend was going to uh, Switzerland with suitcases full of cash. They were losing money on their investment, and they put a stop to that real quick. Now, there will be a Bugsy Siegel case that I will be doing at some point. It's the thing about Bugsy Siegel. I've wanted to do an episode on him for a very long time. I get so overwhelmed when I think about the research because obviously I want to delve into so much history. I bought a book recently. I don't know. Maybe I bought it last year, but it's called Tough Jews, and it's about Jewish gangsters. Yeah, I know the book you're talking about. Like him, Mickey Cohen, and... Meyer Lansky. Yeah, Mickey Cullen, Meyer Lansky, Bugsy Siegel. So uh, there's so much history with like the Jewish mafia that I definitely would love to get into, and and but specifically Bugsy Siegel because he operated out of L.A. Well, and, and then yeah, he also him and Lansky are like childhood friends that go back with Luciano. Yes, where the three of them and like grew up on the Lower East Side together, like the immigrant kids, just kind of making it up from nothing together. Right. And, and Bugsy Siegel is one of the gunmen on Joe, the boss Masseria, which mm-hmm. was like the turning point in mafia history where they got rid of these old bosses and created the commission and like brought Jewish gangsters into the fold. So it was like a whole yeah. thing there. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, and I think Bugsy Siegel was probably the hottest out of the Jewish gangsters in my opinion. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he was tall he had, yeah. the, he had the eyes. He, he, he had the eyes. He was definitely the heartthrob of them. And it's kind of cool to how George Raff, the actual actor, was yeah. like one of the like their friends from childhood. Wow. And like he. No, he, this book, Tough Jews, it opens with Larry King talking about those days in, in a deli in Beverly Hills. And like <laughs> so Larry funny. King's from like Brooklyn where like the Murder Inc. candy shop was and shit. Or, yeah. And I always think that's so innocent how like the murder incorporated ran all their their hits out of a candy store as the front. Like that's so adorable. Right. It's kind of like how John Wayne Gacy was a birthday clown. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a very charming edge to all that. It's a charming <laughs> edge to all that darkness. Um, yeah, but definitely want to do a Bugsy Siegel episode. And obviously I love when I can tie in any information about old Las Vegas because that is endlessly fascinating to me yeah i mean those early days really were it was kind of an extension of la still at that point in a lot of ways yeah i mean my grandparents got married in las vegas my family's originally from la and they drove to vegas and got married in the 50s wow yeah uh my uncle my mom's brother oldest uh was uh, back at like when i remember like the first time i came here was i was like three years old or so he was a ranch hand at wayne newton's ranch Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, he's kind of a douchebag, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that cool. Okay, so another Vegas murder. Maybe the biggest one. You know, I'm actually, I'll save this one for less. Because I got a smaller one here that's also mob-related. Uh, yeah. But it happened in Los Angeles once again, but ordered from activities in Vegas. 
Uh, Jerry McGee. Not sure if you're familiar with who she is, but she was Sharon Stone's character in Casino. Yes. And she was given a hot dose by a group of bikers uh, and overdose. And it's been pretty much confirmed that that was definitely ordered from Chicago. Right. Well, I mean, she was obviously entangled. She knew way too much stuff. and was a loose yeah. cannon. And yeah. They weren't going to And she was ad- addicted to drugs as well. And um, I have the casino like 10th anniversary DVD. And the bonus features on this. There's an incredible part with Sharon Stone talking about playing this character. And she just starts breaking down crying of just like, I'm in a Scorsese movie. <laughs> sitting across a diner from De Niro and him telling me how big of a whore I am. And that's when I knew I had made it. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so hilarious. I mean, she's fantastic in that movie. It's she's like so they, good. <laughs> she's so good. I love Sharon Stone anyway, but they she just nailed it. She nailed that part. I, I need to do a rewatch of that again, for sure. She's a, And uh, there's that perfect moment where she shifts from like the more like like almost Nancy Sinatra glamour queen type to just the short haired spiky coked out yeah. pantsuit yeah. mess. Right, where it's kind <laughs> of like transitioning into the seventies and eighties. Yeah, like when she goes from the seventies and the man, she really hits it rough. Like she like <laughs> Yeah, it's like not cute anymore. It's like She looks sad. like a cute go go dancer in the beginning. <laughs> right. And then by the end she just is like she the looks hair. like Sid Vicious. <laughs> she does. <laughs> it's really good. Oh my god. I was watching um for like the hundredth time, I was watching Goodfellas oh. a few weeks ago. And I feel that way about like Ray Liotta towards the end where he's just all sweaty and that, paranoid. That was seriously me on Thursday because I, I took a half day at work, <laughs> but I I had to run around to the bank and do a couple <laughs> sports book deposits. And then uh, go grab some weed at the dispensary before I sat in to watch March Madness for a few days at home. And so just sweating it's, just, bullets. it's just me like running around the desert, sweating everywhere. And I, <laughs> I, I, I had to throw on Henry Nilsson, jump into the fire just to make it yeah. all more authentic. Like, yeah, you have to. <laughs> and then I picked up, a, honestly, an incredible display of snacks. I got like just like a meat and cheese platter. And then like and then I got a whole another antipasto thing of just like gabagool and uh, uh, and uh, prosciutto, and I, I just, I, I've just been like sitting around, like snacking, like Tony Soprano for like an Italian of... feast. I mean, you are an Italian, Italian my, man, aren't you? I, my, uh, my, yeah, my dad's mom's Italian. Cool. So yeah, I am. Uh, I have. So, I... so you grew up with grandma's cooking? Yeah, I had some. Uh, like my dad had his mom's sauce or whatever kind of thing. Right. 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 So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I my sauce is better than anything they ever made. I've figured it out on my oh, own. Oh, <laughs> nice. But like, I use like a pound of steak, a pound of pork, a pound of sausage, meatballs, like, and I just slow cook it all. Day. It's fantastic. But yeah, I, I got, love like, it. I got like a, a six layer dip. Uh, <laughs> six <laughs> layer. Usually it's a five layer. Yeah, dip. no, I, I had to you bumped it up. Yeah, bump it up with like that chipotle spread kind of situation. Right. I do love a, I love, or sometimes they're seven layer dip, but I love a layered dip. Yeah. It's a, it's a classic. It's a classic. It's a classic that needs to like, I mean, cause you could do so much with that. You could make that like very like high end, like gourmet, like you could elevate that. Well, and you know what else I did is I got a bunch of those like uh, 
frozen mini tacos that I can throw in my air fryer. Right. And I use those as the chips for the seven-layer dip. That is so pig. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a pig move. It's just, yeah, it's... It's kind of embarrassing <laughs> on a certain level, but it's no. I really like. I mean, I relate to it. If you listen to our show, you know yeah, how much yeah. me, me and Desi love food, and we talk about it all the time. Yeah, no, uh, so, I, I love. That's a great move. That's a great move. You could also do that Seven uh, Eleven. Like they'll just let you put free if you get the mini tacos. <laughs> they'll just let you put the nacho <laughs> toppings on it. Like they 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 won't. They'll judge you, but they won't right. say anything. <laughs> but they'll let it happen. Yeah, they will let it happen. They'll absolutely, let that go down. As a former Seven Eleven employee, I can tell you. You worked at Seven Eleven. Yeah, the one on Hyperion there. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Oh boy, (laughs) it was a lot of fun. I don't know what it is about Seven Eleven, but there is always something going down. Oh yeah, Uh, and at a certain point, the cops just kind of came in and told me, like, "Hey, you don't really need to call us. You're basically sheriff of your own domain over here." Yeah, it's true. Those those employees are on their own. I mean, I lived when I I lived in Hollywood for ten years, and the Seven Eleven on Willoughby and Vine. Oh, I know I that. Some, I know that. I've one. seen some yeah. shit go down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but no, I, I really did. I got a spinach artichoke dip. I, I really have been snacking it up. But really, like, what else did I get? Oh, stuffed mushrooms. I, I, I already messaged you about that. those. They, they're incredible. Like, they had like a, these are all very classic old school meals. Did you make these or did you buy them? Oh, most of them I bought that I could just heat up because I was going to be sitting around watching games. So right. I just wanted stuff snacking. I could just throw, like turn on the oven or the air fryer and heat it up real quick and ready to go. Yeah. So yeah, I need to use my. I, we got like a little air fryer slash toaster oven re- recently, and um, I haven't used the air fryer yet, but everyone loves it. It's like okay. the hot thing now. Make grilled cheese sandwich on sourdough with it. That's my power Ooh. tip for you right now. I like a little roasted okay. red pepper on there too, but uh, if you just lightly butter the outside. And mm-hmm. flip it once, you'll okay. have like the most perfectly like crispy golden brown grilled cheese sandwich you've ever had. It sounds good. I'm gonna do that this week. Okay, so I have the the big one here on the L.A. to Vegas murder pipeline. Yes, Tupac Shakur. Right. And for the record, where I work now here in Vegas is like a block from there, and where or two blocks from there, and I used to work on an office in Wilshire. A couple blocks from where Biggie was shot. So wow. I've now had like two places of employment in my life right next to the two key hip hop murders of the 20th century. Yeah, of our, our era. Yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's our John Lennon it, twice. It really is. Twice. <laughs> I mean, w- within a year of each other. I mean, it was wild. And the Tupac one, like, didn't quite resonate with me because my dad died just, like, three days before that of a heart attack out well, of nowhere. I mean. And so, like, it didn't quite, like, it was like, oh, Tupac. But then the Biggie one, like, was like, oh, shit, this is, like, on. Yeah. It's really tragic. Um, But, yeah, what, a fake, yeah, he died in Vegas. That's right. And Biggie was went, right went off to go see a Mike Was out here to see a Mike Tyson fight. Right. Yeah, well, Biggie That's was at the right. auto museum there at Wilshire and Fairfax. That's right. Yeah, that. Yeah, I would say, it, especially for our generation, that is like the biggest Las Vegas murder. Wait, I mean, without a doubt, like high profile I mean, one. Yeah, I mean, and there's that those those girls that drove by and took a picture of him. They saw recognized him and like, like literally like two minutes. That's like the last picture of him ever taken. So eerie. So crazy. Like yeah. 
uh, right like, yeah it's just one of those things and like i always i mean i can't be the only one to raise an eyebrow that suge knight walked tupac took like eight bullets and suge knight walks out without a scratch in the same car right right what's so wild to me the older i get is like thinking about how young tupac was he was like 25 yeah, he was like 20 yeah he was a baby he was he was a kid i like i always felt that way like, too about otis redding because he died at like 25 26 and it's like he, he had the voice of a 55 year old that had seen some shit absolutely i mean it's crazy like yeah because when i was a kid when tupac died it was like oh he's like he's an adult he's like has a career he's like obviously he's like very famous and prolific and he is prolific like he just his absolutely like, i mean just his music like the amount of music he made and created he was a great and actor then, too yes he was he was great in poetic justice he was a better actor than the guy who played him in the movie about him which is sad yeah right <laughs> oh did you see the notorious movie yes the like the old one the one that came out in 2009 yes yeah, yeah, I I've saw seen, that. Yeah, I've seen that. I one. saw that. I saw that in theater. I think it was like opening night or something. That was not that good. <laughs> it was that movie was so hyped for obvious reasons because it's a big movie about Biggie and his life and his ascent. Um, and it was such. It was so hyped up and so big, and it was like I went on opening night, and um, and then like it just disappeared from the zeitgeist. Like no one talks about it anymore. Yeah. No. Uh... I think it's because it wasn't good. Yeah, maybe it wasn't. I mean, I I think like I was in a. It's so weird. Like when you see a movie in a packed theater, sometimes you can have a totally different experience Ab- with a movie. Oh god, totally. Like it it can elevate a movie significantly when you see it in the theater because you have that energy of the crowd. I walked out of Armageddon thinking it was phenomenal. Dude, I watched Armageddon for the first time in my life recently, and I was so bored. I was bored out <laughs> yeah, of my it's mind. Yeah, it's a bad movie. <laughs> I couldn't believe it because I love disaster movies. I love them. I've seen every disaster movie, but Armageddon was the one that I hadn't seen, which is weird because that's like one of the biggest ones of the last 25 years. And... I realized what was wrong with it for me is because they just did not show that much destruction. It was really about like the relationship of Bruce Willis and his daughter and Ben Affleck. And I'm like, I just don't care. Yeah. If I wanted, if I wanted to see a drama, I would see yeah. that. But I, I went in with these expectations. Yeah, I could watch the fucking English patient over here. I don't need to. Yeah, see- exactly. I could be watching the English patient if I wanted to see a drama. Boring relationship. drama, fucking bullshit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think Deep Impact is is the superior 1998 disaster. I, I agree. The one thing I will give Armageddon credit for is my buddy Ken Campbell is in it. He's the guy who also. Oh, okay. He's the guy who also played like the Santa Claus in uh, Home Alone. He's like a great character actor. He played Santa Claus. I know that guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know him, but I know who you're talking about. He was great in that uh, very short scene in Home Alone. Very memorable. Yeah. And he's also in, uh, what you call it? Uh, he's one of the dudes in uh, Bill Murray, the Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Yeah. Yes. He's one of the guys that yes. sees Bill Murray every day and drives him insane. Like, like, <laughs> right. No, and like no, Ken's went like super cool. I've known him for fifteen years or so now, and so I love like the fact that that movie basically made him a millionaire. 
Like, yeah. Like, and that's like, it's pretty cool. Like, because he's just a Chicago, like, Second City guy, and it's cool to see right. someone from that scene. Like, good for him. Yeah. Good yeah, for him. Like, that's great. Because, like, you get that niche as a character actor. It's like, if you just find that one, like, yeah, that you, one you, role. You never know, like, hey, you do this character actor stuff and all kinds of stuff, and you're doing similar shit. But one day it's like, okay, this movie's made seven hundred million. You're like big. You're big now. Like, oh yeah, and I love a good character actor. They're some of my favorite actors are character actors. You ever hear that uh, that old Pat Oswalt bit about uh, Brian Den- seeing Brian Dennehy like at a Oscars party or something like that? I don't like, know, and still- I've heard a lot of his bits. I mean, I've listened to like all of his major albums. I don't know if it's I've heard basically this one. him like questioning, like looking around a room of gorgeous actors, being like, "Oh man, I sh-, with a plate of food that no, like, oh way yes, bigger. yes, and, he's, and he's, yes, you know, and then it's like he's like, just when I'm like questioning what I should do with my life, Brian Dennehy he walks over and gives me a compliment. It's like the fat guy king of character actors himself <laughs> came down from the mountaintop and anointed me. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true i remember that i remember that um because i've gained a good 35 pounds during this quarantine and honestly i i want to just get some good fat guy parts out of the way before i lose any weight like you should you deserve them you deserve <laughs> some good fat guy parts i wish i had the power to give that to you i mean i like i'm i'm just holding out like i haven't acted in a very very long time um i am in the union I still pay my dues, you know, got, love those screeners. I get double screeners, oh, the screeners at my are, house. Oh, cause you and your boyfriend. <laughs> cause my boyfriend, he, cause my boyfriend actually is a working actor and he works. Um, and I'm the hype man, you know, I'm the, I, it's like, it's like that meme on Twitter, the e-girl and her podcaster boyfriend, yeah, but it's you're the, the reverse, the reverse, it's the, reverse <laughs> the podcaster I'm, girlfriend, I'm the podcaster girlfriend and the, and the, you know, movie TV actor boyfriend. <laughs> uh, so he gets to be like the pretty face and I'm behind the microphone in my pajamas working which is i you know what i love it i couldn't have asked for a better job considering how much i love being in sweatpants i mean for me i wear scrubs at my marijuana job and then i yeah and then i come home and podcast in my in my pajamas (laughs) so like it's a really like i I have a very comfort like i'm a pro i'm very pro comfort lifestyle over here i'm very 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 pro comfort um now I'm thinking like, God, you know, should we get invited to, cause he's trying to like, you know, I don't know, whatever, but like, should we get invited to any award shows or whatever? Anything should happen. It's like, then I got to get my ass in gear. It's like, get rid of that quarantine flab, like yeah. get back <laughs> in shape, like <laughs> dye my hair, like, you know, just wow. Like, but I, yeah, I just want to play like, and like, I don't even want to play like one of the wise guys in like a Scorsese movie or something like that. I just want to play like the guy behind the deli counter that serves them meat. Yeah. Like that's good enough for me. Like, just... no, and I feel the same way. Like I, you know what? I'll, I'll attempt acting again when I'm old enough to get some really juicy batshit, crazy old lady roles. Oh yeah. Cause I, you know what? That's the dream for me. Like I would love to, be an old bitch. I, I feel like I, I did all those acting classes and everything in my twenties and failed all those auditions in my thirties <laughs> just, just so I can now be in my forties. And like, I know who I am as a performer and like, yes. and I have a look, I have a, 
I have a type. I can do it. You know, I can. Yeah. No, hey, I feel the same way. I feel I like definitely... I'm at this point angry coach. You know, like angry coach is definitely my. Cause like in my 30s, almost every audition I went on was serial killer or like <laughs> stalker. <laughs> so creepy guy. Cre- creepy guy. Yeah, that was it. Like <laughs> creepy mouth breather guy. And for people that know me, it's like I'm not that person at all like i just have that right. look you know I, they base it off your look yeah they look at my headshots and go hey i think i saw this guy on megan's law like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean fuck it, that's why i need to wait because this you, you know being an actress in your 30s like what the fuck am i gonna do i'm not a name i'm not established like th- this is not my lane i need to just push push to my 60s yeah. And then get the crazy old bitch rolls. I feel like my 70s is when I'm going to thrive. Well, yeah, that's just, our this is our prime. These are our prime years. Yeah, like, <laughs> in Hollywood. Like, I, I cuz I feel like I could have like that uh like Uncle Junior type run late in life where it's just Absolutely. like Absolutely. I am so dialed in on being that old man in the bathrobe that no one can take me that from me. Like And those are my favorite Hollywood stories too. Are the actors who hit it later in life i find that so interesting and and exciting and it's also really cool because you know like them and their like their families like definitely taken care of it's like they they didn't have time to squander anything like right because i worked i worked in business management and uh for like a i would have to process like all the checks for like our clients and we had a couple like older like nichelle nichols from star trek yeah where it's like she was getting like like and her sons were trying to call in to take advantage of her state. You know, it's like, hey, you're not on the thing. I can't give you money. Sorry. Like, and like, I never, I never want to like be in a position without anything. I just found out actually that I got a life free life insurance policy for my work. You did? Yeah. They just took- ladies. Hey, ladies. La- hey. There's a life insurance policy out on him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I put my girlfriend and my brother as the beneficiaries, and the funny oh, thing, yeah. my brother immediately was like, how much do I get when you die? Just <laughs> Yeah, that's like the true crime classic, is if you take out a life insurance policy on your partner before they die, you're automatically the killer. Yeah, I mean, duh. I mean, duh. Did William <laughs> Shatner and uh, Robert Wagner both do that? Uh, right. Oh, I don't know. Don't know. Um, you know the William Shatner. Have you done the William Shatner ep- like thing on that yet? No. Wait, are you talking about Natalie Wood? Well, you know how William Shatner had a wife that like drowned in their pool, but was had a broken neck that injuries were not consistent of like falling in a pool and breaking your neck. I honestly don't know this story. That's yeah. wild. William Shatner has a murder cloud hanging over him, and he's completely gotten away with it over the years. Because I mean, dude's an icon. I mean, he's yeah star trek but tj hooker i mean right he helped but, but he helped but break in young star heather trek. locklear <laughs> i love heather locklear i was a big oh. melrose place fan so was i oh oh so you liked me and desi's melrose place talk you got you understood oh, yeah. that. oh yeah okay yeah. good i i do think that that is one of the finest shows ever made just in terms of like I mean, it's like you got to it sucks because you got to tell people who are new watchers of that show, like you got to push through the first season. Yeah. Because, yeah. 
because midway, like three quarters of the way through the first season, then shit starts popping off and it just does not stop. And it does. And it's like, it's the game of Thrones of nighttime soaps. And like, once you get into like Kristen Davis, like being a, yes, like she was awesome on that show or like so good like she's like committing acts of terrorism like yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. Like, Every, how are these people like not all in jail yeah how are they like, not all in fucking prison like the the things they did to each other were just fucking because 90210 was crazy but it yeah. was usually outside sources making it crazy and it was easy to write those people off while the the, the core sucked through it all Whereas, right, like like Melrose but, but, Place, but Melrose Place had Kimberly literally planting a bomb in the laundry yeah, room. Like, yeah, like and I it mean, went off and destroyed the whole apartment complex. And then the next season, they were like, <laughs> they fixed it up, they restored it. It was like the original design; it was totally fixed. Like, like if was, you try to do a Fallujah version of Melrose Place, yeah, it wouldn't be as crazy. No, no, <laughs> like it, it, it. it I mean, I need to do another rewatch. I've watched it so many times. And of course, I've tried to convince my boyfriend, like, you need to watch this show with me. It's fucking crazy. And that's just not his thing. You know? Did you like like the OC? You know, I never saw the OC. Really? Which is crazy because I was in high school when it was on and everyone was watching it. I own the first season on DVD. And, like, I was long out of high school by the time that came on. Yeah. So the fact that I was as into it as I was... It's kind of pathetic. But that's like Desi loved that show. And she's like, I can't believe you haven't seen the OC. And I just, I, I should get into it. I've I, never seen it. But I love that kind of drama. It, the OC is so, so pure. Like, it took it took where, like, 90210. And, like, and since I grew up in Whittier, which is technically L.A. County, but it's on the yes. cusp of Orange County there. It's south. And my, you know, I hung out. We would go to hang out on the Orange County beaches a lot. So I really understand that culture. And yeah. the fact that they also, they shot that show in Malibu makes it even funnier. That's so funny. <laughs> like they didn't even he, shoot it in Orange County. Because Orange <laughs> County, right. But Orange County is beautiful enough. It's not like they had to shoot it in Malibu. No, like it really is no. like that. Yeah. It's like, it's really nice. Like, like Right. No, I, yeah. OC came out in like what? 2002 or something 2003 I was like in high school then when it came out but I never I never got into it um but it was that was the big show my favorite because I played water polo in high school too Mm -hmm. and so like the fact that they made the water polo players seem like the jocks that run the fucking school it's like no it's always football players at every school like that's like water polo players are a bunch of kids that are like uh I'm gonna be a communications major one day like I mean (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> water polo is for the kids who couldn't play football because it's too hard on their joints yeah they gotta exactly. play water yeah. they gotta play water polo it's easier on their joints or or we're <laughs> six foot three 160 pounds and uh yeah uh, right. we'll, we'll fucking get broken in half the second someone tries to hit us so yes that, that's more the 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 person i was for water polo but. <laughs> you were you were a big boy in high school i was tall i was really skinny though yeah. Now I'm just tall and fat, I guess. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that's worked out for me. But no, yeah, water I water polo was fun. I, I enjoyed it, but I mean I would the portrayal of it on the OC I think is one of the most inaccurate portrayals of anything I've ever seen in television history. And I guess that I mean that kinda might be how it is in uh Newport a little, because Newport was really good. Like we played them once. 
my headphones were kind of fucking up. Uh, they were really good, but uh, their football team was even better. Like their football team put out like NFL guys back in those days. So I'd, wow. Yeah. So when you went down to Newport from Whitt- Whittier, was it like going down to like the rich kids' fancy turf? Kinda, yeah. And like we would do like uh, what's gonna call it uh, tournaments. So you'd have to go play like them, San Clemente, yeah. like all these beach schools in one weekend. And they would just beat the ever-loving shit out of us because we were like the inland kids. That, like, Aww. Like, they're, they're all like they're, like the country club beach kids beat the shit out of like right. the, the working-class kids from fucking Whittier. Like, right, like, the ragtag team. Yeah, we were like, because well, like, like, Lucerna was our big rival, and they were like the country club school. So we were always yeah. trying to hang with them. And, but they had like the swimming program that they did since they were in first grade, so they were always better than everyone and, you know. Yeah, but we we did we did with what we could, and like, uh, yeah. Honestly, I learned how to compete against rich kids doing that, realizing like, oh, the <laughs> the decks w- stacked way against me in life. Right, uh, you were prepared. I was. You re- were already. I prepared. was ready to be a middle aged man with a podcast. That's <laughs> damn damn sure. <laughs> well, uh, I think we're about wrapping up on time here. Um, where can people find you on Twitter and where can they find your show? Well, you can find me on Twitter at the Rachel Fisher, R A C H E L F I S H E R. Or you can find my podcast on, it's called Hollywood crime scene. It's anywhere you listen to podcasts. Our Instagram account for that is the same. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash Hollywood crime scene. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining the show. And I hope, Everybody listening, check out their show. It's one of my favorites. I normally don't say this about other shows, but this <laughs> one helped me get me through my work week because it's like, it, first off, you both are very, very funny, but also you actually do the research, which so many people don't do these days. And it's refreshing to hear people that have actually read a book occasionally. Oh, Scott, thank you. <laughs> That means a lot to me. I'm so thank you for having me on the show. I was so excited to we finally got to do this. It's uh, great. Yeah, you know what I can't wait for is when we're both fully vaccinated, things are opened up here, and you can come do a live in studio episode with me. Oh, love it! And we'll go be degenerates downtown together. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cannot we're, wait. I'm gonna the rascal scooter rentals are on me for that one. Yes. Oh my god, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll even put on like fake. I don't need to put on fake fat, but you need to put on fake fat. I'll put on fake fat for you. <laughs> I'll we'll, put on fake fat we'll for you. We'll just do the rascal scooters and sweatsuits. <laughs> I can't. Matching sweatsuits. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait. I can't wait for that. Oh, that'll be that'll be great moments in podcasting history. Yeah. We'll, we'll just do the audio feed of the whole thing so people have to imagine what we look like. <laughs> yes. Thank you so yeah. much for joining me, Rachel. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And that was Rachel Fisher. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I got another one later in the week with my buddy Jamel Johnson. He's a lot of fun, and it's some good stuff that we get into on that one. Please find us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Pod. And also you can uh, check us out for bonus content over on Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. You know, and that, the five-star rating, uh our mybookie.ag promo. There's so many ways you can help the show. So thank you so much, everybody, and I will see you later in the week.